Welcome back to When Bad Things Happen to Good People, a podcast about censorship and the arts. My name's Todd Sullivan. Joining me once again is Dave Colmine. Hello, everybody. Today we are finishing our look at book one of Mouse, My Father Bleeds History. I'm doing well, Todd. How are you today? I am doing pretty well myself. Thanks for asking. Cool. It's a beautiful Saturday. Yeah, it's it's, it's warming actually. up a little bit. It's still got some wind chill out there in this region, but it's not. We were getting like wind chill down to like minus 20 just within the last week. That was not not a good time for me. Fuck the cold. Yeah, I'm done with it. Yeah, I really it. hate the cold. I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, we got to learn Spanish. Like, let's just get some <laughs> Spanish. Uh, all the all the warm places speak Spanish. Let's just let's just learn Spanish and get the fuck out of here. That's a good idea. That's a good thought. All the warm places speak Spanish. Yeah, what a great policy that is. You think they got together? <laughs> all the warm place people are like, we got to make sure we all speak the same language. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. It's I guess probably sailing. Sailing began uh, around the equator, probably. Oh, maybe. Yeah, nobody wants to sail where it's cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. It was like, ooh, shit. That's you know what? It's that's even cold. true because like looking down. at looking at the Assassin's Creed games, um, I really enjoyed Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag, where you're, you know, you're sailing around so where fun. it's very warm. Did you ever finish that game? I did. Yeah. Oh, um, goodness. But then also, I played Assassin's Creed Rogue, which is another like pirate game, but you're up like in the icy waters, and that was like nowhere near as fun for some reason. Totally. You know, How you, much whaling did you do? Was that something you could do in that game? Oh, that's right. I remember that. That's, it was nasty. You yeah. could, like, kill whales. That was... I did a little bit of it. <laughs> little, now that you bring like it once up... once, maybe, and I was like, I'm not... I, <laughs> I, that is the truth. I touched the whaling mechanic once to be like, what? And I was like, nope, not killing whales. That's pretty brutal, yeah. You could yeah. Um, get resources to purchase the things that the whale resources gave you, you know? Right. You could just use money to get around it, you which could. was thankfully a you way to get through that. You could let other people kill the whales for you. You didn't yeah. have to bloody your own hands. <laughs> Isn't that the way we work? I go get a steak at the store. I'm never, I don't want to look a cow in the eyes. Exactly. Shit. I don't know about that death part. Speaking of death parts, my goodness. Uh, mouse. Huh? Mouse, yeah. Uh, so chapter four, the noose titans. And uh, the graphic for this one is uh, a room full of mice with nooses around their necks. Yeah, with the uh, the Star of David on one of their jackets. Yeah, Jack in the front, Star of David. Um, I think <laughs> you, we really got to take a moment to, to talk about the very, very first panel of this strip because there's a couple of callbacks to... There's a couple of callbacks to things that happened earlier in, in this graphic novel. I also really love this panel, right? Uh, Vladik is mad. You're late. No, I'm not late. I said I'd be there after dinner. Yeah, and, and Vladik's mad because uh, he was hoping Artie would be there uh, to help him clean out the gutters, but that would have required him to arrive before dark. Uh, but the most important, or the most interesting part of this panel, I think, is Mala. It's so funny. So Mala funny. in the background. She's hanging up Artie's coat. But as she's doing that, there's two little balloons with arrows pointing to important features here. One, new trench coat. So, <laughs> so funny. New so trench coat. Artie so has funny. now replaced the shitty coat he got <laughs> from his dad. Yeah. Uh, then it also points out it's a uh, a wooden hanger 
which is a reference from, I think, the very first chapter. Right, right. When uh, when he first comes by to visit and Vladek's like, you can't put Artie's coat on a wire hanger. He never comes to visit. Give him a wooden hanger. Right, right. Frig. And My so goodness. there's all of these details that that aren't related to the story of the war, but that are related to the larger story of, of Artie and his relationship to his father. And also their relationship with Mala, which ends up kind of becoming a bigger deal over these these next few chapters. I agree. A larger detail in the story throughout this back half. Yeah. I mean, Vladek is a difficult dude. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, that's what really it, it says here. Like, it, just the whole next set of panels, there's this exchange. Um, so all throughout this, there's a, a whole page of panels between art and, you know, modern times of, of course, art and Vladek. And... Yeah, Vladek is just, a, he's critical of everything, right? Purchases a tape recorder, he's tired of writing. Yep. How much did you spend? Could have got it at this price yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's But it's not just, it's tough. not just the critical as aspect. It's, it's always about money. And, and again, I think we're going to see over the course of these chapters where that comes from. Um, but yeah, after, once again, Vladek heads to sort of his exercise room to do his... Uh, his time on his bike, and um, Artie asked him to go back to 1940 just after he managed to escape from the POW camp and sort of get reunited with his family. That's right. So that's where we're picking it up. Yeah. He's, uh, he's out of that POW camp and, yeah, back with everybody. And so he says that the first things were normal. Um, there were 12 of them living in his father-in-law's household, uh, he and Anya, their boy uh, Riju, or Rishu, Anya's older sister, Tasha, her husband, Wolf, their little girl, Bibi, Anya's grandparents, Vladek's father-in-law and mother-in-law, and two kids, Lalek and Lonya, that were from Artie's uncle Herman and Aunt Helen, who were at the New York World's Fair when the war started, and so thankfully weren't in the middle of it. Yeah, isn't that nice? So they but blessed the war. I can't imagine how, like, your, your parents, your, your children, who are on the other side of the world, in what is emerging as a as a massive war against you know your race, uh, how terrifying would that be? I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. For sure. Now they he does say that access to food is somewhat limited uh, at that time. There's daily and weekly rations for things like bread, margarine, sugar, and jam. Um, but there's also a black market there because let's face it, there's always a black market as soon as things become scarce. Um, but of course. Everyone's a little bit nervous to get involved with the black market because the Nazis are cracking down on even the slightest infractions. You do the slightest thing wrong, boom, you're never seen again. For sure. And, but also throughout those panels, he just, Vlada kept uh, reinforcing that everyone kind of thought they'd be okay, that they just needed to like chill. This Wait was going to pass. Yeah, like people were like, oh, this war will be over soon. There was, Vladek seemed to feel the pulse a little more of what was really going on out there. And and throughout this tale, uh, you see how Vladek has really great instincts uh, mm -hmm. uh, until until the very end when he doesn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, those instincts treat him well, and boy, is he a wheeler and a dealer. Man, mm. yeah. he just he's always figuring out a way to make a buck. It reminds me of my brother. My brother's that way. You know, had a lawn mowing business at like 14 or something. Like, just, just dude knew how to make a buck. Rather collect uh, bottles at a uh, music festival than watch the music, right? <laughs> like, for real, that happened. So he made a 
mountain of you money. You can collect bottles and listen to music at the same time. Yeah, I guess so. You'd still hear it from where all the camping was being done. He wasn't watching the acts, but, you know, we all have our priorities. But anyway, so, like, that's Vladek right there, right? Yeah. The dude who's going to be like, yeah, Vladek would see all those bottles and be like, I'm not going to watch the, the music festival. I'm out here. Like, he's that guy, yeah, right? Those, so, that's, that's money in my pocket. That's money in my pocket, right? So that is such, that is Vladek's character very much so. So anyway, um, you get to see that several times through this back half of the story. There are so many times when he tr- figures out a way to make money. Um, at first, it was cloth. He's able to get some cloth without coupons and then sell it to somebody else, some fabric. Yeah, he reaches out to, um, because everyone's, uh, all of the Jewish business people have had their businesses taken over by um, Aryan management, basically. They can't run their own business. They've got no income. So uh, Vladek goes out, reaching out to sort of some people that owed him money. And so this one guy is like, I can't, I can't pay you right now. And Vladek says, like, maybe you can give me a little bit of cloth without uh, any coupons. The guy hooks him up. Vladek had previously met up with another friend who mentioned that he was, um, he was, he was making uniforms for the Nazis, but also making some suits kind of on the side when there's fabric. So he brought fabric to that guy, gets a little bit of money from that. And so, yeah, he's always, he's using his contacts to, um, to make money. And then even go so far when he brings the money back to the rest of his family, he lies about how much he had so that he could tuck some of it away knowing that the family would have just spent it all. Totally, right? And, and of course, uh, he is with his in-laws, right? No direct family in this whole place, like right, 12 of right. them or whatever it is. There's like three, four generations here. And he's the only one who goes out on the street and pulls in cash and like just like... <laughs> Props to you, dude. Like, pounded on that one, man. Like, shit, right? Like, and and the the matriarch of the family, the father, was just like, yeah, look at this guy. He can go out and make some dough and uh, good for him. Only one who can. And so, I don't know if you want to go back. Props. Uh, you mean patriarch, if it's a father. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what I said. I think you said matriarch. So I was going to give you the chance to go back and do that line again if you want. I, but. I'm, I'm dumb. It's okay. all good. Thanks for correcting me. I appreciate that. So there you go, listener. Now you, <laughs> now you know what the correct word is. <laughs> Um, later, as Vladek is going around town, he manages to avoid getting swept up in this, uh, this Nazi group that comes through town, wanting to check everyone's papers. He kind of sees it goes down, pulls himself into a business to sort of like hide away briefly, uh, but watches about half of this group of people being carted away and sort of gets the sense that like, this is getting more and more serious. Right, and this continues to happen throughout the tale. Like, uh, he just tucks himself away, runs into somebody he knows. It just, he he finds ways to get through. Uh, Vladek, uh, yeah, slippery fish. Yeah, he does get some assistance from his father-in-law who tells him he can get him a priority work card and uh, brings him to a place where he can basically pretend to work if if the Nazis roll through again looking for anyone who's, like, not being... Uh, productive, and I think that seems to be their their issue here. Like, um, if if Jews aren't doing something to benefit society, specifically German society, they're not of any value to them. So as long as you're a valuable worker and you can prove it, we'll let you hang around for now. Yeah, and so uh, to keep money going, they start selling uh, bedroom sets, all sorts of stuff. Initially, actually, they hide. Uh, so what it is is that the Nazis are coming around and they're stealing all the bedroom sets because they can't find any beds for themselves. And so they go and they hide all of their um, furniture in a nearby basement, a friend's storage. Uh, 
and keep just one bed for an elderly, uh, the grandmother, right? So she yeah. can, because uh, she, anyway, so they were able to keep the one bed. But then later, uh, learn of the opportunity to make some money selling that furniture, sell it, and the Nazis are like, yeah, and we're coming back tomorrow for your wife's bed. Yeah. And, and also, we're not paying you for this stuff and, either. No, exactly. So, like, and so this keeps happening. Like, you can't trust anything that's going on. Yeah. Right? So at the end of 1941, Vladek says that all the, the Jews were moved from their homes into a new area uh, where the 12 of them had to live in uh, two, point two and a half small rooms. Um, this wasn't quite a real ghetto yet because they were still allowed to move about to other areas of the town, but they did have to be back in that area at night. So there was a, there was a curfew on them, uh, and they were, like, they, were, they were forced to live in much smaller um, lodgings than they had before. And I think Vladek even said that at two and a half rooms for the 12 people, that was, that was more than many had. Uh, and it was in part because of um, family members being somewhat connected to appropriate people in the, in, the, in, the, in the German forces in order to sort of like pull favors. And then uh, news comes of the arrest of several of the people that Vladek had been doing um, under the table business with as Vladek has continued to figure out ways to make money. Um, and unfortunately, the next morning, uh, they are hung. Not just hung, uh, hung in the street. And left there for a week. Yeah, hung in the street, a bunch of these people that were all helping, and uh, yeah, left for an entire week. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that's intended to send a message. That's a, like, this is, you can't do this, or this is what becomes a you. Yeah, uh, he's, uh, Vladek says, I was, a f I was frightened to go outside for a few days. I didn't want to pass where they were hanging. And maybe one of them could have talked of me to the Germans to try to save himself says, ah, when I think now of them, it still makes me cry. Look, even from my dead eye, tears are coming out. <laughs> there, was a, there was one really cool exchange. Uh, of oh, this, the sugar. Uh, yeah. yeah, the wheeling and dealing. There's this one time, Vladek's in the street. Now he's running sugar. He's got like four, no, what was it? Uh, he had 10 or 15 kilograms of sugar, okay? So that's like 30, 35 pounds of sugar mm. on him. This is like a band. And way more than a single Jewish person. Oh, have. they're not allowed to have, I think they can have half a kilo yep. most. And so like he would just find like drugs. Uh, but anyway, um, so these Germans catch him and uh, are like, what are you doing? And he was about to do like a back alley deal. And so uh, he, he goes, um, well, I've got sugar. He had to just like own up to it. And then <laughs> and then just like be like, yeah, and I'm going to go deliver to this place. So he goes to the actual but, place. But see, it wasn't just that he was delivering it. It was like, I'm bringing it to my shop. Right, he's saying that like I have this business, that's why I'm allowed to have this sugar. And then uh, I went to the back door where I had to deliver <laughs> and open up. I've got our sugar, <laughs> and they let me go without even checking my yeah. papers. And obviously, the the guy at the store there was also like didn't know what was going on, but just went with the tail. Yeah, you know, didn't correct him as far as like it's not our grocery store; it's my store and my sugar. Give me that. Like he just because well, it was probably a back alley deal. The, yeah, save both their lives, yeah. and they are both mice. Yeah. So old people start getting taken, and uh, they have grandparents. Yeah, they start they start moving out um, all the Jews that are over seven years old to what supposedly looks like a nice little convalescent home, uh, and uh, and the grandparents here are uh, he says in their nineties, 
Yeah. But they don't, you know, they've been together for years. They've always lived in the same house. 40, I think it was? Yeah. 50, something like that? And yeah. they don't want to split the family up. And so they decide to uh, make a little Heidi spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, family together for 70 years, my goodness. And so they make a Heidi spot in uh, with a false wall in a storage shed. Now, unfortunately... The, the authorities have records of those grandparents' existence, and since no one filed papers for them to move somewhere else, they're like, where'd they go? And the family is like, we don't know. They left like a month ago. And that's fine for a while, but gradually the, the police, and again, this is Jewish police, which Vladek points out, or he thinks trying to like save a themselves. larger number of people by maybe throwing a couple of them to the wolves. Yeah, and these people didn't have papers and are unaccounted for, yeah. these grandparents. And so they keep coming back to to the family, and, and eventually the the father and Vladik's father-in-law is arrested. And at that point, the father-in-law contacts the rest of the family and says, look, they're going to keep coming after all of us if we don't give them uh, the grandparents. So they, they do probably the unthinkable. And hand them over. And so... Uh, but they thought it was to... Uh, yeah, the convalescence home was this, first this mentioned. convalescence yeah. home that they were going. Uh, uh, but then the bottom panel. Uh, but they went right away to Auschwitz, to the gas. Yeah. Whew. A few months after that, um, there's a message that all Jews need to go to the Dienst Stadium. Not sure I'm pronouncing that right. And have their documents stamped. Um, of course, many people are are nervous about what this means and what will happen, but they're also just as nervous about what not attending might mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, but eventually, um, you know, Vladek ends up deciding to go. Everyone goes. Everyone goes. Uh, everyone came very nice dressed. They tried so that they would look young and able to work in order to get a good stamp on their passport. Now, according to Vladek, old people, families with lots of kids, and people with work cards, or without work cards, uh, were sent to the left, which is the bad direction. Yep. Uh, whereas anyone who was sort of able-bodied, including Vladek and Anya, go to the right. Uh, and he says it's about one in three, or roughly 10,000 people, um, that were left in the city there. Mm -hmm. They had a cousin who was working for the police, and so that was one of the reasons they decided to go is they thought they could go to their cousin's table and get through, and all did except for Vladik's father. Right, but he chooses, I think, to go. Oh. Was, there was somebody who chose to go back. It was oh, his daughter. right. His no. daughter gets pulled to the left, and yeah. he's like, no, I can't let her go. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, you're right. Which, I tell you, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, Fela, um, yeah, Fela had four kids. That's right. So then Fela, which is Vladik's sister? No, it's the same cousin, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. There's a lot of family members in this. For sure. And so Fela had four kids and therefore uh, was going to the bad side. And so Vladik's father decides to go with her. Um, he sneaked over, and those on the bad side never came any more home. Yeah. And that's the end of Chapter 4. Chapter 5 is called Mouse Holes. And uh, it opens with Artie getting a phone call bright 
and early in the morning from Mala, who's freaking out because Vladek just tried to get on the roof and clean the gutters by himself. Right. Got dizzy. Somehow she helped him down. Now Vladek gets on the phone. Is like, you got to come over here and help me. Nardi's like, nah, nah, I can't. Yeah, and it gets into a little bit of what it was like to have Vladek for a father. And uh, I could understand it being difficult, that constant, constant, uh, I don't know, just, I don't know what to call it, just judgment, I guess? It's, and... it's judgment, but I think it comes down to, like, it's his refusal to, to pay anything more than absolutely necessary. Because Artie points out that his dad can easily afford to hire some guy to come over and clean out the gutters. Yes. But Vladek won't do that. Vladik won't do that. And I, it's, it's, it becomes clearer as we move through these chapters that it's because of how many times through Vladik's experience in the war that the fact that he had saved something, some kind of money, some kind of valuable, was what left him able to survive. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I can understand how going through an experience like that where survival was related to saving everything would ingrain it in your mind that like frivolous spending is how you die yeah right right yes that is that is a heck of a concept right there and uh i guess that that is vladek yeah so Artie joins vladek in his shed his shop and uh vladek is pretty distant pretty cold says go inside i'll see you soon so Artie goes inside and talks to uh, and talks to Mala about it and finds out that uh, Vladek had recently, in the last couple of days, read an old comic that Art Spiegelman had created years prior, something called Prisoner on the Hell Planet, a case history. And this is really, really interesting, I think, because um, what Art does is he basically reprints the comic inside of Mouse. Yeah, the pages are a little askew. Yeah. Some of the words are missing. Um, he says, uh, first of all, it appeared in an obscure underground comic book. I never thought Vladek would see it. And uh, it got sent to Mala from... Uh, and nephew or something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. and so uh and then she <laughs> hid it away and of course vladek found it um and it's really wild the content of prisoner on the hell planet it's about uh it's about art's mother vladek's wife anna uh who's perished prior to this story starting and we find out that she committed suicide yeah, and so the story of Prisoner on the Hell Planet is basically Art telling the story of his mother's suicide and the effect that it had on primarily him, but also the impact on the larger family as well, particularly his father. He, he spent some time talking about uh, kind of how overwhelming his father's grief was um, dealing with this. Yeah, it seems like it was it was pretty tough. Uh, I was expected to comfort him, and then it's mother, mother, as Vladek's crying into Art's arms. The whole funeral, it's extremely, it's cool. I really like the art style. Yeah. It's, boy, oh, boy, it's, it's tough and it's real. Um, it's more artsy, you know? 
Yeah, this definitely looks like looked like an underground comic. Very much right? so. Yeah, much more an underground art style. It's harsh. It's tough. Uh, I I really I really quite enjoyed it. Is that a 1972 date I at the bottom? I was trying to make that out. 1972. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. So Mala responds, uh, and I I think Art does as well. They just didn't expect it to be so like real. I think Mala says it. It's just like wow. Yeah. So I didn't know comic books you, could be so true, real, like, emotional. You know. You know, even Vladek when he comes in, you know, says that like you know I you know I cried when I read it. It, uh, it, it was so personal. Yeah. yeah, but very accurate, objective. I spent a lot of time helping out here after Anya's funeral. It was just as you said. Yikes. And now it's time for RT to uh, join his father as they walk to the bank and continue the story. Back to 1943, when um, the Jews in, again, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Soznovic, are told to move to a nearby village called Strudula. Um, and, and I thought this was an interesting element of that. They have to move to Srajula, and then the, the, the Polish people who lived in Srajula were moving to Sosnovic, but the Jews who were moving had to pay for the, the Poles to move. To move into their homes. Yeah. 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 Messed up. Like What's insult to injury, like mad. It's all just so bizarre. I just, you know, and it just, it slowly got worse and worse like they slowly whittle everybody down you know it didn't happen all at once no, you know and no. i really thought i guess i did i've never really considered it too much but i didn't expect it like this and it makes a lot of sense that this is how a government slowly whittles away a society like it's it's not all at once you know and i've heard that said before it's not all at once it happens slowly and here you see that you know, they're just, it's just the elderly, whatever, right? Yeah. At it's, first it's, it's, you know, uh, people that aren't us, right? It's far enough away that we can, we think it's going to be over soon. And now it's like, ah, it's just the elderly. And then, oh, it's just, they got a lot of kids. We're still workers. And it's slowly. But yeah, you, got, you get rid of the families with lots of kids because you can't afford to feed them if they're not like being productive. Yeah. It's all right? about That's productivity. That's food being taken out of German mouths. Yeah. So, they're, I mean, they're trying to take over the world. Yeah. Right. So. But yeah, again, that's the thing. As long as you can be beneficial to German society, um, they'll let you stick around. But then what it requires to be beneficial to German society just narrows and narrows and narrows. Right. Until there's just fewer and fewer and fewer people left. Right, right. So they're living in Srojula. They're being marched into uh, back into Sosnovic uh, to work. Um, while that's going on, Wolf's uncle Persis comes to visit the family. He's a kind of a big shot head of the Jewish council in a place called, I'm not going to get this one absolutely wrong, Zawirchi. Zawirchi. He's in a position where he's able to sort of like, uh, he's in good with the German authorities in his area and, uh, and feels like he's got a little bit more security than they do here. And so what he wants to do is bring some of the family to live with him. Uh, and that includes Wolf, Tasha, Bibi, Lonya, and Rishu. Um, now, it's interesting to note that earlier on, somebody had offered to take Rishu off of um, Anya and Vladik's hands and put them someplace safer. And uh, Anya was opposed to that. Right. Yes. Very early on. Now, at this point, they do decide to do it. And I'm not, I, I get the sense that. 
it's just because the stakes are always getting a little bit higher day by day. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it is clear that things are a little bit more dangerous here, and they do want to keep their children safe, obviously. Right, and so this guy's able to brag that he has a 90-year-old father who still lives with him. 90, this was 1943. It wasn't left any other Jews that had 90 years. Exactly, That's everybody, everybody over 70 had Holy been shit. shipped off, right? That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Just everybody over 70 in your whole society is dead? That is terrible. And so as those family members depart, um, Vladek says it was the last time ever we saw them, but that we couldn't know. And then I've got another quote here. That spring, on one day, the Germans took from Srojula to Auschwitz over 1,000 people. Most they took were kids, some only two or three years. Some kids were screaming and screaming. They couldn't stop. So the Germans swinged them by their legs against the wall, and they never any more screamed. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. I mean, um, it does kind of cut to Vladek in, in present day saying, this I didn't see with my own eyes, but somebody the next day told me, and I said, thank God and bless uh, Persis that our children are safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was this previous opportunity to um, get Riju put away somewhere safe, and uh, it's mentioned at that point in time that those people did survive yeah. the war. Yeah. And this is the second opportunity, and they send them away. But and unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't go seen, well. They're never seen again. They end up later finding out um, that uh, Germans ended up sort of shutting down that area. They killed, um, what was his name, Persis? They killed Persis and the rest of the council. Yeah, and they're evacuating Zawerchi. Yeah, and, and everybody was going straight to Auschwitz. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's her name? This. This one person who was left was uh, Tasha. Yeah, Tasha. Tasna? Is that T-O-S-N-A? T-O-S-H-A. Okay, Tasha. Tasha. Tasha is like, no, we're not going into their gas chambers. No, I won't go into my, I won't go to their gas chambers, and my children won't go to their gas chambers. So apparently she always carried a little vial of poison with her in case something like this happened. And I guess, you know, at this point in time in the war, in those countries, you had to be aware that this is something that could happen. And so instead of going to the gas chambers, she chooses to poison herself and the three children there. Yes. Which, again, includes Riju. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough to have that choice taken away from you, right? For someone else to decide that. I don't know. I, I, to, to kill. It's, uh. Well, I mean, no matter what, whether, whether you think it's Auschwitz here, would have been a death anyway? I think well, so. I think that's you think what death they was inevitable? Well, I, I mean, mean, probably uh, not. There are, there are people who survived Auschwitz. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, it's that whole clamoring and maintaining some degree of hope. Yeah. I, I, that's tough. I just, yeah, it's tough. She made that choice for her own children as well. So, yeah. it was, you know, yeah. I guess she thought of, you know, Riju as she did her own kids. Well, and I mean, Riju, I don't know how old he was at that point. I mean, just based on the illustration, probably no older than six or seven. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's at all, I think it would be, this is a weird comparison, but far more irresponsible to kill yourself and the other children and leave this seven-year-old boy to fend for himself on his own. Oh, well, of course, of like, course. It's it's weird to come up with this kind of 
idea that it's a more responsible thing to kill a child in a context like that. But it is it's wild, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, I mean, I can't answer that debate. Nope. But uh, you know, it uh, it asks those kind of questions, which is wild. You know, I, I you know I think good art makes you think this is good art. Yeah. And so as things are cracking down in uh, in Strogula, they uh, they make themselves a a bunker in their cellar behind their coal storage. And they're hiding out in there. And so even when the, the Germans are bringing their dogs through looking for people, sniffing people, the dogs can tell they're there, but they can't find them. What I think is really cool, so the Art and Vladek are walking down the street towards the bank, and Vladek's like, here, I'll show you what I built. And he just grabs the paper and the pencil that uh, Art was using to take notes and draws a picture of it. And the big deal is that they bolted this coal bin to the floor, and it's a big coal bin, and it's full mm -hmm. of coal, but then there's a false floor in it, and they're living below with another wall, and the dogs are running around. They know there's someone here, and they can't figure out how to get yeah, in. They, they open it up. It's just full of coal. Yeah. They can't lift it up. There's a removable wood panel that allows entry on the front of that coal bin, but yeah. somehow they couldn't see that. It's obviously well. It was well built. Well hidden, yeah. yeah, well built. Built by Vladek. Mm -hmm. Then uh, we move ahead to June, uh, where Vladek explains they were moved to a different house where they made yet another bunker to hide in. Uh, because it seems like even as the the Jews were being allowed to survive here limitedly, Germans could just come in at any time and be like, "You're gone." Yeah, right. There's no safety in it. Yeah. Uh, so unless you're, like, out doing any of your official work, you're best hidden and non-existent. Um, and then he says, by the end of July, the Nazis were attempting to liquidate the entire ghetto, and 10,000 Jews were removed in one week. Which, again, Ew. is just a staggering number. And it's yeah. it's tiny compared to um, the, 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 the number of Jews that were totally, you know, the total number that were killed over the course of the war. At some point, they gathered 300,000 that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. So, like, to end, and yet 10,000 is so many. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. I mean, how big is Camp Loops? We're like 75,000 people, 80,000 mm -hmm. people, something like that. It's wild to imagine 10,000 of them gone. You would notice. You would notice, Holy yeah. Fuck, eh? For sure. Um, so they've got this second um, attic hiding place, second spot they're at, attic hiding place. They go to go out looking for food. They open this chandelier secret entrance. It's behind the chandelier. And someone's down below, a Jew. Yeah. Uh, but a Jew working for the police, we think? Well, so at first he says, you know, I, I, I've got a wife and a, and a three-year-old who's hungry and I'm just looking, just looking for, for food, food. Just like you guys. So they literally give this dude food. Well, they do first think, like, we should kill this guy. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't know. There are suggestions of, of killing him, but they give this dude food and send him away. Yeah. Next day, Germans are there. Yeah. Next day. Next day. Boom. But, I mean, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, this guy, much later on in the story, let's jump ahead Yes, a that's... Let's, spoiler alert, this guy, much later on, Vladek buries this, this guy. Exactly. What a weird turn yeah. of events that Vladek ends up... Yeah, you know, the on guy a work was, crew. Guy ends up shot. Yeah. Uh, and, and Vladek, working on a burial job, ends up burying the guy that sold his family out. So Yeah. Weird so, turn of events. That is fucking wild. Yeah. But, yeah, that guy... I guess. Karma got him. Uh, so after they're captured by the Gestapo, um, 
they were taken to a building in a part of Srojula separated by wires that Vladik describes as a ghetto inside of the ghetto. Uh, while there, and from the sounds of it, there's sort of weekly trucks sent to Auschwitz from this location. Yeah. And they've got like, I don't know, five days or so until the next Auschwitz shipment. And so while he's there, he looks out the window and spots um, his cousin in the courtyard. And is like, can you help us? And the cousin says, not really. And then Vladek makes some sort of motion to show that he's got valuables. He's got some way of paying him. Vladek always has. Always. 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 Yeah, always got some money on him. And always again, got a way to pay. This... I think is a very large reason of why he was able to survive. It's always him paying somebody. Always. Greasing a wheel, doing something. Yeah. I can't believe how long he was able to maintain that. Yeah. Uh, And so the cousin is like, okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, The next day, uh, a Jewish policeman comes in and is like, we can get you and Anya and your nephew out but we cannot get your uh, mother and father-in-law out. Right. They're too old. They're too old, yeah. And, and Vladek is like, look, let, let, you, you got to see what you can do. It's, I'll make it worth your while. Um, so that day, the nephew gets smuggled out, basically helping um, the people are bringing in food, and then these empty containers are being brought out. The nephew helps carry the thing out. Next day, Vladek and Anya go out the same way. Um, but even though... The um, the police officer was happy to receive the extra bribe money to get the in-laws out. He wasn't willing to actually do the work. Right. The in-laws stay there, and uh, off to Auschwitz they go. Yeah, on Wednesday the vans came. Anya and I saw her father at the window. He was tearing his, oh, was tearing his hair and crying. He was a millionaire, but even this didn't save him his life. Yeah, even as... You know, even as paying people, greasing the wheels, is helping to keep some people alive, it's not always enough in this situation. By the end of 1943, there are very few people left in Srajula who haven't been sent to Auschwitz. Um, He has a friend named Mylock who brings them to uh, the shoe factory and shows them there's a tunnel inside uh, inside of a bunch of shoes that leads to a bunker where there's about 15 or 16 people could hide. Um... And so uh, he goes to tell his nephew, Lolik, about it. And Lolik is like, I'm sick and tired of hiding. Um, and I'm a skilled worker. I, I'll be fine. And, of course, he wasn't. Um, he's he almost to Auschwitz. He's like also sent day. to Auschwitz. Yeah. Which leads uh, Anya to just have a breakdown. Like, almost practically her entire family is gone now. Yeah. Um. And she just wants to die. But Vladek tells her, no, darling, to die, it's easy. But you have to struggle for life. Until the last moment, we must struggle together. I need you, and you'll see that together we'll survive. Uh, Soon a day comes where they do need to hide in the bunker with 12 other people. Um, They're sneaking out to find food, but finding very little. They're all kind of slowly starving they're at one point. They're finding none, basically. Yeah. They're chewing on wood at They're one chewing point. on wood just because it feels like eating. Yeah, for sure. Um, there were two bunkers. Was there? Yeah, there were two. And so the leader who kind of put this whole thing together was in the other bunker, comes to them and says, okay, enough's enough. I'm not going to starve here. I've greased some guards. They're going to get us out. 
And uh, Vladek says, nope, we're not going. He could Don't sniff it. Me. And uh, there were some other people in his bunker who were like, you know what? If uh, I will go out the day Vladek says it's okay to go because that'll be the day that it is. And uh, even paid Vladek a little bit for consultation. He had yeah. like four items and he was like, well, those people are going to need those items. So I took the small watch. He did take something. Yeah, he, did. he didn't do uh, it for yeah, free. Exactly. He didn't do it for free. But he also recognizes how important it is to have those things. Yeah, in order so to he didn't want him to spend them all. Yeah. You keep some too. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and so when they are escorted away the next day by the guards to get past, uh, Vladek hides around a corner just to see how it goes. Here's gunshots. Here's a uh, gunfire and runs the other way, never looking to see what happens, knowing exactly what happened. Yeah, holy crap! The yeah, the cats took all their stuff. Yeah, and killed them all. Uh, and eventually. There aren't apparently any people left in Stradula, so the Nazis clear out. Yeah, there were three days without any guards around. Yeah. The guard tower was empty for three days. They thought it was probably safe. And so they go with some Polish people to work. There's a, a like a work crew that walks a road, and they just kind of try to file in with them. Um, now, at this point, Vladik and Anya are kind of on their, on their own. They don't really have anywhere to go. Um... And that's where this chapter kind of closes as Artie and Vladek arrive at the bank where Vladek uh, gives Artie a key to his safety deposit box um, which contains some of the valuables that he had collected during the war that he still has to this day. Yeah, wild. Um, but yeah, it's, again, I can't, I can't think of, like, to try to imagine the the emotional and psychological value of these objects that were such a part of your like survival, not just like your survival in the sense that I had money, your survival in the sense of you weren't killed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think you talked about some of these were ones that he had like thrown down the chimney at one point. Oh, that's how it worked. Yeah. yeah. So he stuffed a bunch of stuff uh, below a chimney. Sounded to me like would maybe where soot and stuff would be maybe, below. Because yeah. yeah. he said he had to dig down below to get it back. But he hid a bunch of items there. And then after getting out of Auschwitz, went back for it. Yeah, and got them after he got out of Auschwitz. <laughs> like he cared to go get them, which in a way I think I would too. Of course, my, of course. But that's yeah. it's really cool that he did. That's chapter five. Now we're in chapter six, Mouse Trap. And uh, the graphic for the Most Trap chapter is uh, Art Spiegelman's parents, Vladek and Anna, um, standing on a mouse trap, and the mouse trap is about to snap shut on them. Yeah, it's halfway up and down. Yeah, it's let go. It's right? let go. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. on the way down. Yeah. Um. Once again, Artie visits uh, goes to visit his father, who's not in the house immediately, so he has a chance to talk with Mala who's becoming increasingly frustrated with um, Vladek and just how cheap he is, going so far as to suggest that Vladek married her because she was the same size as Anya and he wouldn't need to buy her any new clothes. Yeah, right? And he did try to offer uh, Mala Anya's uh, yeah, wardrobe. Yeah, like, clothes? Look at this, you got all these clothes. Yikes. And then Artie admits that he's, he's becoming worried about the way that he is presenting his father in the graphic novel, saying that uh, in some ways he's just like the racist caricature of the miserly old Jew. Yeah, right? He's like, I'm just trying to be accurate, but uh, yeah. <laughs> not doing us any favors here. But again, at this point, it makes me wonder like whether or not that, um, that cliche 
comes from a place of honesty where these people literally had to save as much as they could in order to survive, and then that just becomes the way that they live their lives. Of course, right? That generation comes out of World War II. Um, I wouldn't expect them to act any other way, right? So, yeah. So Vladek brings along some of the the first few pages of the comic that he's done, shows them off. his, his father seems to approve and, and uh, says that maybe one day he'll be famous like, uh, what's his name? Yeah, you know that one cartoonist? You know the one, the big shot guy. <laughs> and Artie's like, what cartoonist could you know? Of Walt Disney? And he's like, yeah, Walt Disney. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> of course. Uh, going back to 1944 now uh, in the story, uh, Vladik and Anya are heading towards Sosniak just because that's the... It's a place to go. It's something they're familiar with. They pass by a house where Rishu's governess lived, um, hoping they might be able to ask for help, but they just get the door slammed in their face. Um, then they try uh, Anya's father's old house, hoping that the janitor there might be able to help them. Um, he agrees to help them, but it's it's clear that like things are getting more difficult for Jewish people because as they're moving in towards the back of the house where the janitor is, there's this old woman looking out the window who recognizes Anya and screams like, there's a Jewess in the courtyard, police! Right. Um, and so the, the janitor says, like, you can stay here, but you're going to have to find a, a better place. You can't stay here for long. They go back and forth between different hiding places. Um, they just keep paying whether they can. Uh, at some point, they're hiding with a woman whose husband comes home, and uh, she has to hide them downstairs in a cellar where there's rats. Yeah, she doesn't even come for three days. They're living on uh, sweets, like on uh, uh, little mints, candies, little, little candies, candies yeah. right? Um, turns out, husband was getting suspicious. Then he left. It just, it goes on and on. It's it's really tough. At one point, Vladek's out walking and the kids are yelling like, a Jew, a Jew, right? The Poles are these little yeah. kids. And so he has to go uh, up with a, and, and greet them with Hail Hitler. Yeah, exactly. To prove ha- that he's not. Exactly. He's got to remain chill. And he always remains cool, calm, and collected and just continues to do the right thing, pay here and there, help out where he can. Um, now, at one point, while they're moving between the different houses, he finds out that uh, there was a couple of people there who were successfully smuggled into Hungary. Right. And Vladik gets the idea that this might be what they need to do to get to safety. Right. Uh, and as he starts to kind of get that in motion, he goes and, and reaches out to uh, an old acquaintance who had helped him, Mylock. Uh, who had helped him get through the uh, the escape in the shoe store. Um, and Mylock is basically living in with his wife and three-year-old child in this tiny compartment inside of, like, a, a garbage uh, waste containment box. Yeah, it's like a place to throw waste. It's a big pit, and there's, uh, he knows some people who are living in this garbage pit. Yeah. Uh, Somehow surviving, they said the um, the rotting uh, garbage rotting helped garbage helped to keep it warm. Keep them warm. Um, crazy thing: the mice in the garbage hole survived the war, guys. Yeah. They made it. Although through. they also um, the reason that um, Vladik went to visit them is to let them know that where he was staying would be available once he went to Hungary. Yes. So by by staying where Vladik had been staying, they survived the war. Mm-hmm. Which makes you wonder what would have happened to Vladek 
had he just stayed there instead of trying to get to Hungary because going to Hungary ends up being a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Anya doesn't want to go. Uh, it takes Vladik a very long time to convince her. Uh, he'd already paid half the deposit. They go, they get on the train. Just before they're getting on the train, one of the people who's organizing this walks away, makes a phone call. They're like, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're just phoning ahead to let them know where you're going to get to. Turns out that phone call, of course, was to German authorities. Yeah. And then about raid an, the train. an hour or so into the train ride, um, the rest of the smugglers town. disappear. Yeah. They stop. All of a sudden, the, uh, the Gestapo comes aboard and, yeah. and finds um, Vladik and Anya. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, uh, Vladik had really great instincts this entire time. But uh, w one of the reasons that he thought it would be okay to go to Hungary is that the per they, they sent one person at first who eventually sent back a letter signed by him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was probably coerced. Either coerced or, or falsified. Falsified. Yeah. Because it turns out, I think he found out later that that guy ended up going to Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, that's right. Um, and so for a while, they're kind of kept in a, a bit of a jail. Um, but eventually... Uh, they're they're put coming. on a truck and they're driven to Auschwitz. There is this um, panel of this, um, this large shipping truck, like kind of a semi-cab with a big box. And on the side of it is a swastika. And, it's, uh, and all the people are at the back and dudes with guns. And it's just... It's another one of those images that, like, oh, yeah, shit, they would have fucking shipped them in trucks oh, and yeah. put swastikas on the sides of the fucking trucks. Like, it's all about oh, branding. Oh, man. That's so fun. Like, uh, who wants to be bragging? Like, I, it's just so wrong, man. It's just so wrong. And so um, they arrive at Auschwitz. Um, we knew the stories that they will gas us and throw us in the ovens. This was 1944. We knew everything, and here we were. And then Artie explains that uh, very quickly, the men and women were separated, and Anya went her own way. And uh, that's when Artie chimes in, like, It'd be so, that's, this is why I need to get Anya's journals. There's been all of this talk about Anya's journals. She was journaling. The journals that she kept were burnt or, or destroyed, but she rewrote them yep. when she got back from the war. She rewrote all these journals. And so Artie's been trying to find these journals in like, you know, Art's kind of, or sorry, in um, Vladik's study or whatever the hell it is. And he's got all these like, got three copies of a calendar from like one year from a bank that he probably didn't go <laughs> yeah. to and like old menus and just keeps everything and after he moves it all around mala's like put it all right back where you had it or i'm gonna get shit for it and so uh here we are and art's saying like vladic like i you know i really want these yeah. journals they would be so helpful for this and uh Vladik finally admits that they're not around anymore. Uh, they, Vladik remembers what happened, that uh, he was... Um, these notebooks and the other really nice things of mother. One time I had a very bad day and all of these things I destroyed. He's like, you what? Uh, after Anya died, I had to make an order with everything. These papers had too many memories, so I burned them. You burned them? Christ, you have saved tons of worthless <laughs> shit. And you, yes, it's a shame. For years, they were laying there and nobody even looked in. 
Did you ever read any of them? Can you remember what she wrote? No, I looked in, but I don't remember. Only I know that she said, I wish my son, when he grows up, will be interested by this. <laughs> God damn you, you murderer. You're, how the hell could you do such a thing? As he uh, already is yelling at his yeah. father. I, and I can understand that perspective. I mean, murderer seems huge, but at the same time, like, that's the last remains of, of your mother. Yeah. That we're talking about that, that he just burnt up. And in a way, you know, killed whatever remnants were there. And I, I, I have to say, I think Vladek could have avoided saying, like, oh, by the way, it said that she really wants you to read this one day. That's just it. He's, That's just, a, he's so cut to the bone and real. Like, it, he's not making that up to be an asshole. He read that if it's there. Yeah. It's and, like, and it makes sense, but, like, what a... That would have been right at the beginning. That would have been, like, a forward, probably. And, like, boom. This is Vladek. Yeah. What a fucking dick. Like, you know, as I said uh, early on, Vladek is a difficult dude. Yeah. My God. Um, now... Here's what's buck wild is is that's the end of this volume right there. That's where we end it. Yeah, we make it to Auschwitz and then and then it's over. And I was really shocked by that. All this talk uh, Auschwitz, we don't even get there. Uh, we figure the uh, the nudity and some of the language. I mean, I guess there was some language here. I don't know. Did I did I just not even? There's hell. The hell could you do such a thing? There's the damn, goddamn. God, there's the goddamn. Goddamn. I know you. goddamn was one of the ones that they referenced. Yeah, when goddamn they it from you, Tennessee. you, you murdered. Well, there you go. So there was yeah. three of them right there in that phrasing. And, but I mean, he's. That's what was said in that moment. And like you know, this this is Art Spiegelman's art, right? Look at uh, the previous graphic novel that's inside this one. Well, and also it's like, personal. how do you? How do you? Can you properly convey? even a tiny amount of the anger you feel about having your that. mother's memory deleted yeah. by saying, gosh darn it. Yeah, well, and that's just it. Like, context is so important, I think, when we're judging art and, and things of this nature. And I think that this is used in the correct context. I mean, does it belong in a grade 8 school? Now, there was no nudity, huh? So the nudity that was that spoken of... That would probably be of, in the next volume. Yeah. That, we read two volumes now without getting the, the, the... Well, I guess a little bit of the band shit, but not much, huh? Yeah, so that brings us to the end of, of this part of the book. That brings us to the end of what we came here to cover. Um, thank you, Dave, for going on this adventure with me. Yeah, it's been interesting, man. Um, I'm glad for this perspective on the Holocaust and the perseverance um, and necessary actions of a person to survive it. Um, yeah, how tough. And obviously, like, we live in this big country of Canada, and so it's kind of weird, right? Like, can you just hunker down in the bush? And, like, so mm -hmm. these small European mm -hmm. countries, they didn't have that kind of space, right? I don't think that was an option. You know, like, a quote-unquote forest wasn't big enough to, like... No. To conceal yourself in and like you know have a heat. No, I mean in Canada we have forests that are bigger than some European countries, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's it's just it's different. Yeah. Um, I'm glad for the experience. Props to Art Spiegelman. Um, does it belong in a grade eight classroom curriculum? That's what this was banned from, correct? Yeah. And I guess in yeah. this, it's I hard to judge without the second half, eh? So I only have half the story at this point still. Yeah. Okay.
Well, you know, uh, and we'll, you know, the, the we'll, jury we'll, is out. We'll save our thoughts on that as well until we, we do the wrap up anyway. Yeah, you think so? Okay, well, there you go. I mean, so here's the deal it would have been published as one bound volume of. It, yeah, it's, it's available in two different in, versions. Like yeah. you can buy the, the book one and the book two separately, and then there's a, a, a volume with both of them together. And that is probably the version that they had in schools. Either that or they were banning both volumes and just sort of had them both under the label of mouse. Yeah, okay. Either way, it's definitely one complete work that I think is meant to be um, absorbed as a single thing. All right, so there's more. Yeah. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Um, this has been When Banned Things Happen to Good People. I'm Todd Sullivan. I'm Dave Coleman. Until we meet again read a fucking book.